Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take live comments and questions from the viewers. However, most of the time, we don't have enough time to get through all the live questions that get sent in. But I want to make sure that if you sent in one of those questions in support of the show, that you don't have to wait too awful long to get those questions answered. So we gather up those unused questions, and we address them here on companion videos. Now, it is... Where I'm at right now, it is Thursday night, February the 4th. Tonight, I'm going to be staying up till midnight uh, because midnight here in Los Angeles is when uh, WandaVision airs. I'm getting ready to watch WandaVision episode two here uh, pretty quick here. So this is going to be kind of a relatively short, like this won't be a two-hour companion video. It's going to be a relatively short one because i got to get myself ready to watch WandaVision. But, uh, and I know you guys are looking forward to it too. Just a reminder, uh, don't forget that tomorrow... Uh, this is, of course, on Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, Ann and I will be doing, that's the wrong, uh, that's the wrong button. Sorry about that. Ann and I will be doing, of course, our weekly WandaVision open spoiler discussion. That's going to be tomorrow at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, wherever you live, you can do the conversions of that. But we do it at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time every Friday uh, to go over in a totally open spoiler way. WandaVision, new, new WandaVision episode. So I hope you guys will join us for that uh, if you are so inclined and if you watch WandaVision because that would kind of be a prerequisite for that. Anyway, guys, let's not waste any more time and let's get right into your questions. We'll start getting caught up here with one from Quintus Deshun who writes, Hey, John, do you think the mailman could possibly be the person uh, Jimmy has been looking for at the start of this thing? His scene with Agnes really sticks out in episode two. Don't shoot me. I'm just the messenger. Uh, just a thought. Okay, so this comes up a lot about WandaVision. So, of course, WandaVision starts with uh, at least episode four that Jimmy Woo, uh, played by Randall Park, shows up at Westview looking for somebody in witness protection. A lot of people have a lot of theories about this. I'll just throw this out there again. You've heard me say this before. I honestly don't think we're ever even going to hear about the witness protection person again. I really don't. I don't think it's important. I don't think that whoever that person is, is at all relevant. I think that was just the plot device to get Jimmy and the FBI there to Westview. And once that's been done, their narrative purpose is done. I doubt we'll even hear about them again. But then again, watch. I'm about to watch WandaVision episode five. Watch. They totally make a big deal out of the person then. But for now, I don't think it's anybody. But I will say that mailman scene was actually kind of funny. All right. Next up. Uh, GQ writes, also, I have never seen Coming to America. Now that the trailer, uh, that trailer two looks good, do you recommend watching the first one? Oh, listen, even if Coming to America two wasn't coming out, I would highly, 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 highly recommend going to watch the first one. So glow. You got to go watch the first one. The first one's hilarious. Now, the first trailer for Coming to America two didn't do much for me, but this most recent one that just dropped this week, I think looks great. So I'm all of a sudden, I'm really excited about coming to America too, but absolutely GQ go and watch that first one. What? Uh, Queefer Sutherland said a Kiefer writes, uh, I know Feige said five years and I know you say everyone expects an X-Men appearance slash reference in every movie. I don't say that. That's the fact. Every single uh, MCU property that has come out since Fox got acquired by Disney Everybody, there are reports, there are stories and there are rumors. Everybody talks about how X-Men are going to pop up in this next one. And of course, up until today, they never have because Kevin Feige said it would be five years at any rate. Uh, appearance reference in every movie, but eventually the time is going to come when people will be right and X-Men get introduced. And I think that time is quickly approaching. Well, listen, Kevin Feige said he's got a five-year plan that he wants to get through first before introducing X-Men. That's only two years away. That's only two years away. So it is quickly approaching. So let's not lose sight of that. It is quickly approaching. Now, uh, yes, eventually, if you keep saying, like, you know what the old saying is, even a broken clock is right twice a day. If you keep saying, it's 905, no, it's not. It's 905, no, it's not. It's 905, no, it's not. Eventually, it will be 905. And eventually, Kevin Feige is going to introduce X-Men. Now, look. Again, Feige went out of his way to say he has a five-year plan, won't introduce X-Men till then. That was three years ago. That doesn't mean Feige can't change his mind. 
And you know me with this whole thing about there's going to be a Luke Skywalker level cameo coming in in uh, WandaVision. How can you not think that could possibly be Magneto? How could you not at least acknowledge as a possibility that could be a Charles Xavier, right? So even I, who say Kevin Feige is going to stick to his five-year plan, even I have to say it's a possibility. So I still don't think there will be any X-Men references in WandaVision. I still don't think that, but I completely know that it is a possibility. It absolutely is. So we'll see what happens, Mr. Sutherland. We'll see what happens. All right, next up, Real Talk Live writes, With the advent of the streaming wars, I think all platforms are looking to sign long-term deals with desirable directors, with the most recent one being Ryan Coogler, a five-year deal for Disney+. Plus. Do you think this will be a big thing in the coming years? Absolutely it is. Actually, it was a, it, it's been a big thing for a, bit, for a little while now. With uh, Chandra Rhimes, also uh, Benioff and Weiss, um, and, and others, uh, Greg Berlanti, you've seen all these big showrunners and creators signing big, like, in the hundreds of millions of dollars, not a $5 million deal, not a, a $10 million deal, like in the hundreds of millions dollar deals to sign and lock up content creators because original content is going to be king. Right now, Netflix is at the top of the mountain because they have uh, license. They have curated content, licensed content, content that they didn't create and isn't theirs. They just license it. They spend upwards of $14 billion a year. Listen to that number again, folks. Netflix spends upwards of $14 billion per year on licensing, on licensing. I mean, they don't have the office anymore, but like shows like the office and all this other stuff, they have to pay people to have the rights to have those in Netflix. They pay like up to $14 billion, but the future of the streaming wars is not, does not lie in licensed content. It lies in original content. And because these platforms know this, they're already trying to identify and lock up big name show creator talent because that's where it's all going to be. So yes, I absolutely think you're right about that. This Ryan Coogler deal is not the first of its kind and it will not be the last. It will not be the last. So keep, let's keep our eyes on that real talk. Cause I think that is going to be a very, very big thing. All right. Freddie writes, Hey John, I've been watching you for a long time. Thank you so much, man. Uh, has gotten me through tough times. I'm glad that's great. The great thing about the movie fan community and movies, man, it does do that. Uh, it was truly heartbreaking when Monica reappeared to an empty bed, but imagine how her mother felt watching her daughter disappear next to her. Oh my goodness. Uh, while fighting cancer. So sad. You're, I mean, seriously, they didn't show us that scene, right? They didn't show us. Like that episode of WandaVision started with the undusting of Monica. They could have started it with a heartbroken Maria watching her daughter vanish and be wiped from existence in front of her. That would have been too much. I think that would have been too much. I'm glad they didn't, but you're right. Absolutely horrific. Heartbreaking, the chaos, waking up, finding out her mother's dead, just Horrible, horrible stuff. It was so impactful. It was such a brilliant opening to that episode. It's just bravo on every level, Freddie. Bravo on every level for how they managed that. All right, next up. Diego uh, Maguino writes, Hey, John, I lost my job to COVID. Oh, dude, that sucks. I'm so sorry to hear about that. Um, so as big of an MCU fan, WandaVision has been a blessing. Seeing supporting characters like Darcy and uh, Wu, that's uh, Randall Park and Kat Dennings, has given me more joy than I thought was possible. LOL. Might sound a little silly. I won't be writing for a while. Wish you the best. Hey, dude, no, that's that's no problem, man. Listen, sometimes as, as a viewer, you help support this show. But sometimes you need this show or the fan community to support you. And that that's great. And yes, I love, absolutely love that Marvel is not just thinking, oh, we got to have somebody show up. Let's make it Doctor Strange. Let's let's have Thor appear again. But rather they have this over the course of 20 plus movies and 11 plus years, they have accumulated 
a really great collection of supporting characters. And some of them are fantastic, especially Darcy. I love the Darcy character and I really love Randall Park. So seeing him back as Jimmy Woo. So utilize those characters. I love that they're doing that. And it just adds another level of enjoyment for me. And I'm glad it does for you too, Diego. And here's hoping all the best for you, man, that we get this complete BS put behind us as fast as we can hang in there, brother. All right. Next up. Uh, Nautical Nonsense writes, WandaVision isn't going to have a cameo like Luke Skywalker. It's literally going to be Luke Skywalker. Wanda's twins are real, and Luke is going to take them to train them as Jedi with Baby Yoda, thus merging the MCU and Star Wars together 100%. You know, we were talking a little bit earlier today about... um, Oh, I always keep forgetting his name, and then I remember it at the last second. Um, uh, Oh, what is the name of the guy who does the voice of Ratatouille? Uh, Patton Oswalt. See, I always forget it, and then I, I remember it eventually. Uh, Parks and Rec. So we were talking about this earlier. There is a remarkable, like if you're a geek, this is this has got to be a must see on your radar. But there's this remarkable episode of Parks and Rec, and, and Parks and Rec is just awesome anyway. But so I talk about Parks and Rec all the time. But there is this. If you're into the geek community at all, there is this iconic episode of Parks and Rec where Patton Oswald plays this citizen who's trying to do a filibuster at city council. And so he does so by rambling off for like eight hours his theory and, and proposal for how to merge the MCU and Star Wars into one thing. It is a thing of beauty. It is an all-time classic. If you have not seen... Uh, this particular thing here that that uh, that Patton's doing. If you've not seen this, you got to go and watch it. Look up the episode. Of, you'll probably look up an episode guide on Google or something. The one with Patton Oswalt. It's amazing. You got to go check it out. And that falls right in line with that article. If I was right in line with that. All right next up, Courtside Karen writes. I love that name. Does the Loki TV series uh, take place in 2012? Because the Loki that escaped in Endgame was when they time traveled back to the first Avengers movie, which came out in 2012. I mean, we don't know because then he steps out of that time, right? He grabs the cube. Who knows where he ends up? And remember, the, the time authority is a part of this, right? So it can literally be in any time at all. Like literally in any time that we can imagine, that's where this could take place. There's a lot we don't know about the Loki series. We know we're going to get Loki when he was at that point in his development, when we were first introduced to him. Well, not when we were first introduced to him, because we were first introduced to him in Thor. Uh, but we're going to meet up with Loki as the Loki he was at the end of the first Avengers movie. And now we're going to see where it is. It could take, literally could take place 100 years in the past, could take place 100 years in the future. The teaser didn't really give us much indication as to when the show takes place. I mean... It doesn't take place 100 years in the past, obviously, but we're going to have to keep our eyes open and see where that goes. And next up comes to us from uh, Esteban Daniel, who writes, just wanted to say good morning. This obviously came in 11 hours ago. I just wanted to say good morning. How are you feeling right now? Are you excited, optimistic about the new year? I am excited and optimistic about the new year. You know, we're seeing in California the new COVID cases are dropping. Don't get too excited yet. I've got a long way to go, but we've got uh, vaccinations rolling out. I believe the movie theaters are coming back. Uh, Ann and I just moved into our new house. So we've started off the year with a bang. We're having a great time, but we're in the new studio here, which is great. And I'm talking to my fellow film fans. So it's all good. So thank you for that, Esteban. I'm having a great year so far. And yes, I'm very optimistic about it. All right. Next up, James Argenta writes, In January 2020, the trades reported Feige meeting with Stewart about reprising his role of Professor X, which Stewart said last month he declined due to Logan's send-off. Do you believe him, or is he lying about WandaVision cameo? Hopefully with friend (laughs) McKellen. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. You bring up a, a completely fascinating point here, an absolutely fascinating point. Because yes, back about a year ago, there were reports that came out that Kevin Feige and Patrick Stewart had met. And these weren't just reports. Patrick Stewart confirmed this himself. Hold on a second. Kevin Feige, Patrick Stewart. Okay. There were reports 
uh, that they had met, and Patrick Stewart himself confirmed it. And this is what came out of that. I met with Kevin Feige a couple of months ago. This is back in January of 2020. I met with Kevin Feige a couple of months ago, and we had long, long conversations. And there have been moves and suggestions, which include Charles Xavier. Right? Okay, so here's where this gets really interesting. Patrick Stewart then said that he declined because he had done Logan and he just felt that Logan was the perfect send-off for Professor X. Not that Logan was exactly in continuity with the other X-Men movies. It really wasn't. But still, Patrick Stewart said at the time that for him, that was the perfect send-off, right? That he was done. Okay, let's unwrap that a little bit. About a year ago would have been when things were really getting movie in the pre-production and and maybe even starting shooting of WandaVision. What if, what if Patrick Stewart is misdirecting us? What if, what if Patrick Stewart and Kevin Feige specifically were talking about WandaVision? You know, I, I said on my show the other day, when talking about who could this big cameo be that would be Luke Skywalker level from Mandalorian, you know, who could that be? And I, two of the names that I proposed, even though I said, I don't think it'll happen because Kevin Feige said five years, but I said, you cannot ignore the possibility that one could be Magneto and one could be this guy right here, Sir Patrick Stewart, or at least the character he plays, Charles Xavier. That would be, that would be a Luke Skywalker momentous moment. And can you imagine if it was actually Patrick Stewart? So let's put on our tinfoil conspiracy hats here for a second. What if Kevin and Patrick were specifically, and listen, I probably have very little doubt they were specifically talking about WandaVision. But let's say they were talking about that and word gets out that Feige and Stewart had met. Stewart decides throw them off the trail say you know what i i'm i'm done i played it in logan it was perfect in logan and it was i'm all done and none of us have talked about it or thought about it since what if it's patrick stewart it lines up it connects the dots we know he met with feige we know when he met with feige would have been the perfect timing we know that there's some big cameo coming. We've got an, uh, we got Paul Bettany saying it's there's an actor that's going to be popping up that he's always wanted to work with. Wouldn't a Sir Patrick Stewart kind of fall under that? Now, look, let's be very clear. I'm not sitting here telling you that Patrick Stewart is going to play Professor Charles Xavier in the upcoming in, in the upcoming episodes of WandaVision. I'm not saying that. What I am saying though is. You can't ignore those circumstances. I think you would have to be a little bit naive to not at least acknowledge that that possibility exists because, again, there are a lot of dots. Maybe they don't connect the way we think they do, but there's an awful lot of dots there. And wouldn't that be something? Would that not make the Internet explode? Let me ask you that. Would that not make the Internet explode? If exactly the way I described it before happened, Everything's going to hell. Wanda has snapped. She just lost vision again, or she lost her kids, whatever, and she snapped, and bad things are about to happen. And then Monica Rambeau and the team of S.W.O.R.D. are like, we don't know what to do. And then, again, pull in a tight close-up, right? Pull in a tight close-up of the ground, a sidewalk on the ground, and this wheel of a wheelchair rolls into frame. And as the camera pans back, you see Patrick Stewart sitting in that wheelchair, go up to Monaco and say, I believe I could offer some assistance. Huh? Tell me the internet wouldn't explode. Again, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but I'm just saying, tell me the internet wouldn't explode if that happened. Would that not make the internet explode? That checks off the Luke Skywalker level cameo. Are you telling me an actor like Paul Bettany wouldn't have loved to work with Patrick Stewart, and I can't think off the top of my head if they've ever worked together before, so that checks off that box. We know that Kevin Feige and Patrick Stewart had met. Feige was talking to him about something. Feige had something in mind. 
and it was right around the time when pre-production on WandaVision would have been happening. I'm just saying. Patrick Stewart's probably telling the truth and that he turned it down because he thought, you know, his Charles Xavier days were done. But what if he was just misdirecting us? Something to keep in mind, folks. Just something to keep in mind. Anyway, excellent point brought up there, James. Excellent point. All right, next up. Orange Hand writes, I watched Muppet Treasure Island for the first time last night. Wow, that's that's going back a bit. My second after Great Muppet Caper. While the Muppets are certainly charming and entertaining and memorable, I just don't find them to be all that funny. I wish I did, but it is what it is. I don't know. I mean, look, are they Steve Carell funny? No, but a part of the Muppets is they're they're witty and they're fun. And, but it is the charm that goes along with it, right? And by the way, the one they did, I can't remember the name, what they named it. That one Muppet movie they did with Jason Segal, that movie was very funny. To me, that movie was very, very funny. And when I do watch like old, it's been a while since I've watched the old original episodes of the original Muppet show, but I, whenever I've gone back and watched some, like watch clips of them, they do make me laugh. Now, a lot of the Muppet movies after the original, frog legs, a lot of the Muppet movies after the original weren't hilarious, but still in general, I find that the Muppets can be really funny. It just, it all depends on on what they're doing, on which movie or which show it is. Anyway, thanks for that orange hand. Next up, Tom writes, agreed that speculation isn't the same as spoilers, but I do prefer to try to steer clear of speculation. Uh, If it's right, it can ruin the reveal. If it's wrong, it could be setting myself up for disappointment. If Magneto shows up, it'll have less impact now. Well, I mean, here's the thing, Tom. I, I have to respectfully disagree with your kind of outlook on all of that. Because when you go to a movie fan community, what are movie fans going to do? We speculate. We get a piece of news. We talk about what could it mean? What could the ramifications of that news be? What could this mean in terms of what we will or will not see? But it's the same thing with ESPN, right? If a game is coming up, you have, you know, all the pundits, you have the football experts up there and you got a game coming up and they're going to talk about what they think we might see in this game. You know, do we think Tariq Hill could go for over 100 yards receiving? I think it's possible. I think we can see Tariq Hill go for over 100 yards receiving this game. Well, that isn't a spoiler. But if you don't want to know any analysis about the game, then don't watch the pregame show. And what I would suggest, Tom, is that if you want to avoid any interpretation, speculation, um, breakdown or analysis of of movies and movie news and stuff like that then you probably shouldn't be visiting movie news websites and i'm not trying to chase away any of my viewers here but i'm saying like if you don't want speculation then you probably shouldn't talk to anybody you probably shouldn't talk to any other movie fans about movies that are coming up because that's what it's going to get into we're going to guess we're going to speculate we're going to make predictions we're going to see now you're absolutely right one of the the um, Achilles heels of the fan community is not speculation or coming up with theories, but is that we get too invested in those theories. So like you get people who like come up with a theory or hear a theory and they get so invested in it that if the movie doesn't do it just like that, they go, that sucks. They should have done this. You know, we get too invested in our theories. That is a problem with us as a fan community. Absolutely. That is. But the banter and the fun and talking about, I mean, that's just a part of being a part of the film fandom, man. That's part of being a film fan. So I I just got to say with all respect, my brother, I just got to say, I kind of disagree with, with your approach on that. You just got to understand that when you're talking about theories, speculations, predictions, uh, all that kind of stuff, you got to just be able to, you know, put, make your mind a whiteboard. It goes on and you wipe it off. It's like anything is possible. And if it might be Magneto, it might not. Like, listen, we were talking, I remember we did um, an episode talking about the upcoming final episode of Mandalorian. And remember, I put together that chart. And I said, here are the eight most probable people that are going to be the Jedi that shows up at the end, right? And one of them was Luke. We knew one of them could be Luke. But 
did it take away and a lot of people speculated it could be luke did it take away one iota of the explosion of enthusiasm and excitement and passion when luke skywalker showed up at the end of mandalorian didn't take away any of it didn't take away any of it so you know going into mandalorian that it could be magneto you know it could be Doctor Strange. You know it could be Spider-Man. You know it could be Tony Stark. You know it could be this guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, or a thousand other guys. Yeah, but you don't know. And so when it happens, like, listen, I know that the Super Bowl this weekend, I know for a fact that either Tampa Bay is going to win or Kansas City is going to win. I know that. It's going to be one of the two. Is that going to take away from my excitement when I see who ultimately wins? Not at all. So anyway, that's just my take on that, Tom. I appreciate your sharing your thoughts. I hope you don't mind me giving my uh, my response to that. So thanks for sharing, man. All right, next up. Uh, Agnes Ray writes, Hey, John, first time tipper from the UK, Scotland. Thank you so much, man, for being here. Uh, spoilers are leaked photos, footage, or scri- script ex- excerpts. Anyway, do you think the Mandalorian nominations will lead to other genre shows more recognition? Only if the genre shows deserve it. Like, too many... Too many of my fellow fans, we think that, you know, just because we like a show, we think that it should get not it should get nominations, should get recognition. No, if it deserves it. Mandalorian truly deserved it. It was, it, I mean, just from the basic narrative of it, I thought it deserved it. I'm still a little surprised that it's getting all the all that kind of stuff. But I mean, the only other show that I can really think deserves that kind of attention right now is is probably the boys within the genre sphere is probably the boys. But I I think this. I think we are now in an age and era that if a genre show actually puts together a quality enough show to deserve recognition, it'll get it. And we just saw major nominations for things like the boys as well. But I believe that's what we're entering into. I don't think they're going to start handing out awards recognition to genre shows just because they're genre shows. I know some people would like to see that, but they're not going to do that and they shouldn't do that. But I think we are now in an era when if there are genre shows that really do legitimately deserve it, I think they're going to get it. And maybe it hasn't always been that way before, but I think it is now. Uh, and by the way, I don't think spoilers are leaked photos, footage, or scripts, script excerpts. Like to me, Again, I have a very high threshold for what's an actual spoiler. A spoiler isn't any bit of information. If that was true, then a poster is a spoiler. If that was true, every trailer in history is spoilers because it's showing you footage from the movie. To me, I have a very high threshold. It has to be a piece of information from the movie, be it audio, visual, or dialogue. That reveals a fundamental turning point in the film that would completely alter the way you watch and understand the movie if you knew that piece of information prior to going in and watching it, right? So let's take Infinity War. If you go into Infinity War and know that at the end of the film, Thanos gets off the snap, The Avengers, Thor almost stops him, but he gets off the snap and takes out half of humanity. That is a legitimate spoiler. That will fundamentally alter your viewing experience of the rest of the movie now because now you know exactly what happens. You know the the big climax of the film. You know the outcome. And now as you watch the Avengers struggling to stop it, you kind of already know it. Therefore, it affects your viewing experience. Finding out two characters have dinner at one point in the movie... Some people call that a spoiler. I say it is not. But again, that's one of the struggles that we as a film community have is that we don't have one shared common understanding about what is and what is not a spoiler. And until we all have like one common definition of that, it's going to be something that we always struggle with. And because because nobody nothing says that my definition with a really high threshold is the right definition. Nobody's saying that somebody with a really low threshold is the right definition we've we've got to come together somehow some way film fans got to get together and come up with a standard accepted this is the definition of what a spoiler actually is so we can all feel more free to talk about things anyway that's just my thought thanks for that agnes all right next up kirky novak writes 
I'm intrigued by the time gap between Westview going into lockdown and the start of the first broadcasted episode, which we know was at least three days after that. The sitcoms uh, hadn't started right away. I think this gap is where the answers lie. I'm not quite sure. Do we know that? Do we know that it was at least three days after that? Because remember, we're assuming that Darcy and the rest of Sword are watching the broadcasts in real time. And we don't know that that's true. I suspect that's true. But I don't think we know that that's true right now. You know what I'm saying? And so I think, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Like, okay, so here's what we do understand. We do understand that the Westview situation had to have begun at least within the last three weeks because it's only been three weeks since the undusting. At least it, it had been even less time than before that because, you know, Monica comes back and she's back at S.W.O.R.D. three weeks later. And we already know the situation in Westview had already begun. But how long before that had it already begun? How long has it been? Has it been four days, two weeks, two and a half weeks? How long has it been since the incident at Westview began to when Jimmy Woo and the FBI realized, hey, our uh, our witness protection person hasn't checked in. How long has that been? And I think that's something, you're right, I think that might become pivotal information as we move forward, Kirky. So let's see what we find out. All right, Sam Fisher writes, I think Elizabeth Olsen should and will get at least an Emmy nomination for WandaVision. Mm, I, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. I mean, she's been really good. She's been really good. And so is Paul Bettany. But at this point, four episodes in, about any just shortly going to be on five episodes in, um, I'm not ready to say that. I think she's been really good. Too many people, we watch a certain types of shows, and if somebody gives a great performance, we sincerely think, that should be Emmy nominated. But then when you look at what they'd be up against, it's like, well, maybe not. Again, ask me the question again after you know episode nine. Let's have that discussion about awards potential after episode nine. Right now, we're only four episodes in, so we'll see where we go. All right, next up, uh, Matt McBride writes, Hey, John, here comes a prediction. The Loki series has been extremely on the nose about its purpose, and I think we're going to get something unexpected, a love story. It feels like they've fully yet to explore Loki outside of the family. I'm calling it now. Maybe, but I mean, listen, I don't know that they've been so on the nose about anything. We've seen very, very little, and they've revealed very, very little about the Loki series so far. Very little. So I don't think they've actually done anything. And uh, a love story. Point me to five things that don't involve some kind of romance or love story. I, I wouldn't be shocked or surprised by that at all. Most of these things do. Most of them do. I mean, even in the MCU, there's usually a romance or love story angle of some kind. Usually. I mean, Thor had it. Iron Man had it. Ant-Man had it. I mean, the only person who really hasn't had it is Black Widow. But, I mean, Cap has had it. I mean, it's it's, their, it's kind of their part of everything. So it's absolutely not a stretch, Mac, to or that all that wild of a prediction to think that we could get that as well in Loki because it's in like 75 to 95% of these things. So I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be more surprised if they don't have that as an element because so many of them do. You know what I'm saying, brother? So I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find, But I, I don't doubt you. I don't doubt you on this, man. I think you're probably right. All right, Adam Gibson writes, uh, if the new Spike Lee musical has a, a runtime over four hours, we should we go to the hospital? Okay, for those of you who might have forgotten, uh, Spike Lee is working. His next project is going to be a musical about Viagra. I kid you not. It's about Viagra. I've got a Woody. Oh, I've got a Woody. Yeah, I can just see it now. I can, but no, seriously, he's doing a musical about Viagra. And I don't know if it's going to be called like Stiffy the Musical or 
whatever. But yes, of course, the, the running gag is, of course, with Viagra, if you are still experiencing erection that lasts longer than four hours, you should seek medical attention. I remember one of my favorite comedians made a joke about that once and said, if you maintain an erection for over four hours, call a friend and brag. But anyway, uh, that was that. So yes, can't wait to see what Spike Lee's going to do with that. All right, Sam writes, I love your show. Thank you so much, Sam. I appreciate that. Uh, thanks for the great work. Uh, have you watched or are planning to watch the Attack on Titan anime? I've read the ma- uh, the the uh, manga and think it's a very good story. I did not love the anime. I'm going to be honest with you. Now, my wife collected a bunch of the books and I was re- and th- they were great to read. But for whatever reason, I it just never clicked as an anime. And, and I know there's a lot of people getting angry at me saying that because I know there's a lot of people who really do like the anime. I, and I didn't dislike it. I didn't hate it. But I, I just thought it was okay. I thought it was all right. I'd be very interested in seeing a big Hollywood live action. How the hell you do it, I don't know. But some big, especially with the Giants and everything... I would love to see a big live action thing about it. I think that could be fun. A big, properly blockbustered Hollywood treatment blockbuster of, of that. I think that could be a lot of fun. Anyway, thanks for that, Sam. Next up, Qui-Gon Jin and Tonic writes, Hey, John, I agree 100% with you that everyone has a different spoiler threshold. It's true. Uh, I personally love to watch movie trailers as it still leaves a lot of room to guess what will happen. However, I don't watch TV spots for the next episode in a series uh, like WandaVision as I think it ruins me for the speculation of what will happen later in the episode. Most importantly, I respect that this is different from everyone, so I won't bother me if somebody talks about what they saw in a TV spot as that would be silly of me. I think, listen, I think your approach to that is perfect. Because number one, you've got your own threshold. And by the way, I've got a friend of mine who's like you will not watch TV spots. Uh, TV spots of like upcoming episodes. Like when a show ends, for a lot of shows, you can say stay tuned for uh, for a peek at next week's episode of whatever, whatever, right? And they won't watch those. But you understand that these are publicly made publicly aware pieces of information and that people are going to talk about it. And you're aware of that and you accept that. That's perfect. That's the perfect approach. That's the perfect approach. So uh, I think you're looking at that the right way. And I I think, listen, I'm kind of different. I can't I can't resist the idea of seeing coming up next week on WandaVision. I can't I can't resist that kind of stuff. I'll watch it every time. I will just simply watch it every time. So I'm glad you've got you've got more willpower than I do, my friend. You've got more willpower than I do. All right, next up. Biggie the Legend writes, Have you seen Resident Alien with Alan Tudyk? I love his performance. Haven't watched it yet. Been dying to watch it. For those of you who don't know anything about it, um, hold a second. Uh, Resident Alien. I remember, I remember I watched like a nine-minute preview of, of this show a couple of months ago. And I had not heard of it. Like when this nine minute preview came out and I'm a big Alan Tudyk fan. I, I have loved him since Serenity or Firefly as it was called at the time. I particularly like him in the very short lived only one season show called Powerless where Alan Tudyk plays Bruce Wayne's idiot cousin Van Wayne. Anyway, in this nine-minute preview, basically, Alan Tudyk is an alien, and, and this is what he looks like right here, who has crashed on Earth, and I think there he's, he came to Earth looking for something, ended up crashing, and basically took on another, a human, found this human being who was Alan Tudyk and took on his form. I think he killed Alan Tudyk's character and took on his form and is now is trying to blend in. That's all I really got from the nine-minute preview, but I loved what I saw. Loved what I saw. So I just realized like two days ago that it was now out and can be watched. So I haven't watched it yet. I think I will probably try. I will try. Maybe I'll try to squeeze it in before it'll be tight, but I might try to squeeze it in before I watch WandaVision. So no, I have not seen it yet, but I am very excited to see it. And uh, and I'm glad you like it so far because I have very high hopes. I have very, very high hopes. All right, next up. Qui-Gon Gin and Tonic writes, 
Uh, what do people mean when they say this actor is a character actor or a method actor? Uh, thanks for all you do. I live in the UK and you help immensely uh, on me getting through lockdown. Thanks so much, man. I'm glad we can be here for that. Uh, thanks for making us film fans have something to look forward to daily. And thank you for giving me something to look forward to daily, Qui-Gon Gin and Tonic. Well, listen, method actor and character actor are two completely different things. One is an approach to acting. One is more of a career definition. If you want to look up method acting, you want to go up, look up Jared Leto, Daniel Day-Lewis, things like that. The best thing to do is go on Google, search method acting, and that's the best way you'll get it. It's when an actor really kind of, I'm oversimplifying it, a performer really immerses themselves in that character on and off screen. Again, best thing to do is go look up the definition. With a character actor, that's more... That's tougher to define, right? A character actor is kind of a definition, and maybe there'll be people disagree with how I, the, the way I interpret it when people say character actor. It's a performer who doesn't get the leading roles, but they can appear in a lot of things. Brian Dennehy, who just passed away, unfortunately. Uh, Brian Dennehy was a very proud character actor. He loved being a character, which basically means you can drop him in any movie, in any TV show, and give him any role, and he could play that role. He could be that character. He could be that character for you. Not the leads, but he can be one of those fill-in characters. You can drop him in his supporting role in a movie, TV show. He was recently in Blacklist. I really liked him in that. And he calls that character actors. And, um, so there, there are a bunch of actors who are never like a list, never get like their own leads, but you see them pop up in a hundred different things. They're generally referred to as character actors. Now, maybe other people have different definition. That's always kind of what I think when I think of a character actor. Anyway, hopefully that helps. All right. Next up, we got James LH who writes, Hey, John, like the new studio. I love my new studio. I'm not going to lie. And it's not done yet. I, I still have a lot to do in here, but we are in, we are up, we are running, we are functional. Uh, all the cameras are up. Uh, the main thing is in here, obviously. A few more things. Like, for instance, there's going to be a couch back there. There's going to be a couch back there. Why is there going to be a couch back there? I'll tell you why there's going to be a couch back there. Because you see this TV right here? This, this is a 50-inch TV right here. It's on this stand that has wheels. I'm going to put a couch back there. Because uh, at times that Anne wants to watch something like maybe Kaori's over or one of her friends are over and they want to watch something out there, I get to come into my man cave, which is really my studio. I can just grab this thing on the wheels and with one hand turn the whole thing because it's on wheels to face the couch and I can stretch out on the couch and watch what I want to watch in here. So yes, there eventually is going to be a couch back here. But we're a long way from getting there, but we're, we're getting there nonetheless. Uh, but where's your Canadian flag? My Canadian flag's in another room right now. I got this big wooden made out of reclaimed uh, barn wood, wood that was in a barn, uh, reclaimed barn wood Canadian flag. It's one of my favorite things that I have, uh, but it's in the other room right now. So yeah, that's out there. Also, I don't know anything about your new area, but is it a good place for any future thoughts on walks? Oh, yes. Yes. Actually, I was out on a walk with uh, Anne yesterday. Actually, can I show you guys something? Let me see if I can pull this up. I don't know if I have it at the ready and available. Oh, there it is. I got to show you guys this picture. So Ann and I went on our first walk. Uh, so we'll walk for about an hour in the morning, right? So we went on a walk and we got to this spot on our walk. And oh my God, I just loved what I saw. It was just absolutely beautiful. This is about 6.30 in the morning, I think maybe seven in the morning or something like that. We'll go out for a walk in the morning, sometimes walk in the evening. I got to get in my five miles a day. Uh, and it was gorgeous. So yes, thoughts on walks. I've been already going through the neighborhood saying, where do I go for my thoughts? on Thoughts on walks are returning. They're coming back really soon. So thanks for asking about that, James. All right. Final question of the day uh, comes to us from Go Away Spoilers, who writes, uh, hi, John. Hello, go away spoilers. I think may people may have thought that the guess of Magneto showing up in WandaVision was a spoiler rather than a, a genuine guess was because on the John Campus show, Rob said he was 99% sure Magneto would because of another character that shows up in a leak for episode six. But again, that was him speculating. You know, Rob didn't say, I know this guy shows up because Marvel told me. He said he made it clear, like, because I heard this other thing, 
I think that I'm speculating. I'm analyzing that. I think that might mean this other thing happens maybe, but it's not a spoiler. Whenever somebody's taking a guess or making a prediction or whatever, it's not a spoiler. Again, any more than somebody saying, I think the Kansas City Chiefs will win the Super Bowl this weekend. That's not a spoiler of the Super Bowl. That's just somebody making a guess based on what they know about the teams and what they know about the quarterbacks and the receivers and the tight ends and the running backs and the defenses and the kickers and and the coaches and all that kind of stuff. And they go, I think knowing all of that, my prediction, Kansas City wins. That's not a spoiler for the Super Bowl. That's a guess. Still a guess. Still just a guess. All right. You know what? I said that was the last one, but I'll take one more here. Uh, James L.H. writes, one of two. The last six months, I've watched some great comedies. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is great. Kim's Convenience. Love Kim's Convenience. Uh, Parks and Rec, one of my all-time favorites. Just finished Schitt's Creek. I don't even know how to define how good Schitt's Creek is. Seriously. I was late to the party on Schitt's Creek, even though it was a Canadian show. I, I kind of always just ignored it. It didn't look like the type of show for me. It's been a long time since I've been as overwhelmed by a show like Shit's Creek. It's seriously, if you guys haven't checked out Shit's Creek, there's a reason it won every single Emmy this year. Like it literally won Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Actress, Best Writing, Best Directing, Best Show. I mean, it just swept everything. It swept everything. And it deserved it. It's amazing. Anyway, again, really enjoyed the show. Really funny. Although only complaint was uh, whenever Alexis was set was said loudly, my Amazon Alexis started one of the characters in the show is Alexis. And so, yes, I guess if you have an Amazon Echo around, I've got one in my kitchen. I got one of those Amazon Echo shows that has the screen on it. And yeah, I guess I wonder now I'm going to want to run a little bit of a test to see if I if I put on Schitt's Creek. And put it to a scene where they yell her name, Alexis, to see if my Alexa will turn on. I'm, I'm now I'm going to want to run that little experiment. Anyway, uh, two of two. But joking aside, I really liked how the characters developed from people I didn't like to really enjoying their journey. And the show was ended on their own terms. Uh, also, I want to see the Q&A the cast did recently with celeb fan Patrick Stewart. Listen, I, it's when you really go into it, like every celebrity is crazy about Shit's Creek. Like when you watch interviews about what's the show you really watch, they're all like Shit's Creek, Shit's Creek. It's so good. And you're right. It's all about the journey. Cause in the first episode, I wasn't, I didn't even really like it all that much. The first episode, cause like these aren't even likable characters, but that was the point because now you go along with them on this journey and it is warm and beautiful and hilarious and just such a great show. I, I just ran out of descriptive words for it, man. I, I really just ran, simply ran out of descriptive words for how much I truly, truly treasure and love that show. Uh, you know what? I said that was the last one, but let's do one more. All right. Mahir Hoke writes, I hope you pronounced my last name right. Hawk. Sorry, I said Hoke. Hawk. So I hope you pronounced my last name right this time. Close. I got close. Uh, this time, are you going to resume thoughts on walks? Somebody else just asked me that uh, in the next few months. What sort of gimbal or equipment do you use? I want to get into the live streaming walks and I'm uh, taking equipment suggestions. All right. So let me let me hit pause here for a second and grab something. OK, so uh, uh, back now. So I have gone through on my thoughts on walks. I've gone through a number of different iterations. Uh, one has been getting a, a phone holder and literally just using my phone which the, your phone, the phones today have such great cameras in them. It's, it's amazing. And they even have some kind of image stabilization. The problem though, with the phone is, uh, the mics aren't the best, although they've gotten better, but the main problem has always been image stabilization. I know cameras say the phones say they have great image stabilization, but it's only so good. It's only so good. So what I did was I moved up from my phone. And what I started using was the DJ, the DJI pocket, uh, the DJI pocket. This is actually a really good little device. I still have it. I still have, I just don't have it on hand right now. Um, very good image quality. And it's actually got a full gimbal right on top. As you can see from the image, it's got a full gimbal right on top and it's got great, uh, uh tracking motion. So like I can, when the camera's on me, I can tap my picture on the screen. And now wherever I move the camera, the, the head of the gimbal will turn to keep me in the center of the picture. 
So I could do thoughts on walks and move the camera over here. And I didn't have to look at it because I knew the camera head would turn and keep me in, in focus. Or I could put it down on a table and I could move around and it would follow me. Really, really cool. Very, very good. And much better image stabilization when walking than with my phone. But I then, when the GoPro Hero 9 came out, they did a couple of things. Now, one of the great things uh, about the, um, the DJI was that it had the screen in the front so you could watch yourself. Well, the GoPro 9 uh, finally did that as well. So they got the big screen on the back, but they also put a screen on the front so I can be doing thoughts on walks and check it out. The two advantages, and again, the DJI is fantastic. I, I would highly recommend the Pocket. I really do. It's great. The advantages that the GoPro 9 did for me, and I have never been a GoPro guy, but is that it gives me a little bit of a wider field of view it's got a bit of a wider angle lens on it than the uh, DJI does. And it's image stabilization, it's built-in software-based image stabilization is insanely good. So I got this little thing where I can, you know, put it, make it a tripod and stand it up. But this also extends a bunch of feet so I can hold it out quite far from me. It's got excellent mics on it. Uh, you get a monitor on the front, a wide angle field of view. It's a really good good device. And so when they came out with the nine, um, I just decided, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to dive in and take advantage and get the nine. So I did that, uh, got the nine and, uh, I've uh, never regretted it. I've never looked back and it's, it's been really good. And yes, the thoughts on walks will continue here. Uh, pretty shortly it will. All right. Thanks for writing that into me here. And I hope that's helpful for you. But again, uh, if you can just find a good Handle for your phone. Phones have great cameras now. Again, that's not a bad option. If you want to spend a little bit of money, the DJI, uh, you could probably get it for about three hundred and twenty-five bucks. It's a, it's not free, but it's a decent option. Um, or the GoPro Hero Nine. I think either the DJI or the GoPro. It all depends on what best suits you. Uh, for me, right now, the GoPro does. But again, I I can't recommend the DJI highly enough. All right, guys, listen. For everybody else, from Wyatt Bender and Messi's the Goat and Nikita, uh, all the way up, we will get started on tomorrow's John Campion show with me and Robert Meyer Burnett. We'll get started in the live questions part of the show with Wyatt Bender, and we'll keep on going after that. In the meantime, guys, I'm going to go get myself ready to watch WandaVision. Maybe I'll try to sneak in that episode of uh, Resident Alien. Uh, if I can, I don't know how long the episode, I, don't, I might not have time, but I'm going to go get myself ready for WandaVision. Don't forget tomorrow, two things. We've got the John Campia show with me and Robert Meyer Burnett at uh, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And then at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Ann Campia and I are going to be doing our open spoiler discussion review of WandaVision episode five. We hope you join us for that. All right, guys. Thank you to everybody who sent in these questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you also supported the channel as you did that. And all of us here involved with the John Campia Show, thank you guys very, very much for that. All right, dude, stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me for now, guys. My name is John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.